In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to be the very best dog owner your dog could ever wish for and unlock real life results in your dog training. Now today we have a super cool, real game changer struggle and yeah. Tom and I, we would love these, right? Yeah. Like we think these, when you send them to us, when you reach out and you ask for help, we really yeah. value that. We want that. We encourage it. In fact, if you ever have anything you really want help with, you can always get in touch with us. How yeah. can everyone get in touch with Absolutely. us? What's the best way? So- if you are in the Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge, you've got access to that Facebook support group. And what we do is we try to um, monitor that group for any questions or, or struggles. And what we do occasionally is surprise you. And we actually talk about your struggle on the podcast to give you some insights directly from us. So if you're in that challenge and you're in the Facebook support group, then never be shy to share a struggle. So we have a struggle from Sarah, who is in that group. And she says, look, I need help. Literally, I feel very pressured to go aversive. And by aversive, what do we mean, Tom? Just because I think it's worth clarifying yeah, that. Yeah, so um, what Sarah's meaning there is that she's she's been advised to use either some level of force, some level of um, of giving her dog bad outcomes. And that might be through use of a tool like a choke chain or a shock collar. Or it might be simply actually just like almost um, uh, verbal or, or spatial intimidation in the sense of pressuring her dog and forcing her dog to do something um, by... Um, by, by re- really just by, by not being so nice. Um, so she says, Alana is now a year old and she's an Aussie. I had her at eight weeks from a breeder and she was a little skittish, slightly uncomfortable, mildly excitable, certainly not a chilled puppy. Yesterday, I took her to her first agility class. It was literally a disaster. Not in terms of the agility, which actually she attacked with drive and huge gusto, but she barked incessantly at every other dog, blew off all of her commands, generally behaved like a wild thing. I have to say just quickly here, she sounds like our kind of dog, right? Like she sounds like our our favorite kind of dog. (laughs) She also jumped on the tunnel several times saying, you want me to jump? Look at me. I actually thought this This was quite funny. I think it's quite funny. She thought it was quite funny. Sarah thinks it's funny. The trainer didn't. Oh no. The other owners and dogs in the trainer looked at her as a real freak of the class. (laughs) One wore an e-collar, healed and sat like a model. Another was in a prong collar and was under control. The third was just a puppy who had already been trained uh, with a spray bottle. Um, It's like they've picked a real bag of tricks there. Um, I I know that Alana is only half trained with obedience. I want her to do agility because she'd be good at it, and it would also provide uh, enrichment, not that I plan uh, to compete. But it was actually very humiliating uh, to be um, really the difficult one in the class. The trainer flat out told me, A, I'm not a good Aussie owner, 
B, that she needs aversive training starting right now. Um, How do I hold out when I recognize that the positive method that I've been using has uh, made some progress, but really only half? And I'm not worried about the physical pain of aversives, but it feels like a betrayal of trust. I have to be honest there, Sarah. I'm worried about both, like the Mm. pain and the betrayal of trust and the whole relationship and how damaging it can be. Um, but we'll go into that in a minute. Um, and but I also suspect, suspect this dog needs firmer rules to make good decisions. Um, how do I put my foot down on this bratty dog, really, uh, without going aversive? Now I, I think there's so much there. Yes. And I also feel a lot of pressure, and I also feel a bit of a mixed up chick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so the first thing that that we that we share with you on on this one, Sarah, is that the way that we like to think about you know us and our dogs is that actually we're a team with our dogs and so as part of a team as part of any team whether you think about your maybe your family team or a friendship group or um maybe um, a work team is that as you go through life with that team there are some situations in which you give another team member all of the responsibility there are some situations where where you actually take a lot of the responsibility because maybe your team member's skill maybe isn't isn't strong in that area or or maybe they just never experienced it. Now, we approach this exactly the same with our dogs in that there'll be some situations where um, for example, a dog who's early in their training, going to a very exciting and agility class. She is only a year old. Yeah. And with an Aussie, that's a real baby. For a lot of breeds, that's still a real baby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, probably most. Yeah. And I would say that there's a lot still to learn. And to go to a first class and it be agility, I mm. think that in itself is, is a, lot. a lot. Like yeah. for my dogs in their first agility class, they wouldn't go near a tunnel, for example. Mm. To have an opportunity to jump on it just wouldn't be how I managed my class mm. Um, well, personally, yeah. because I think there's a huge amount of foundation that goes in beforehand. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. And so um, the, the, the kind of pinnacle of us taking all the responsibility is um, actually not going in, putting ourselves in a situation. So, for example, um, Magma, same age, actually, about one year old at the moment. And um, she's going through a bit of a, a phase of, um, of adolescence, let's say. And so at the moment, there are, there are situations in which I take all the responsibility. And for example, I would not be taking her to the beach right now where lots of other dogs might be chasing tennis balls and chasing around because all of a sudden she's like, I don't know how to disengage. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. That's a- acceptable for her age. And what we need to do is we need to top that up and grow or that. it might be that actually uh, putting in a class situation like that just gives her so many opportunities mm. to make all of the wrong choices. Um, one, one question I'd ask Sarah actually is, had you even been to the class beforehand to observe mm. how the class was run and mm. what was going on and, and how yeah. that whole scenario yeah. played out? Because I think that's another thing to acknowledge here, Tom, isn't it? Like we take responsibility mm. fully yeah. in the sense that we also want to observe what's going to happen. Absolutely, so unless yeah. you absolutely know that class is run in a certain way because you know individually or personally or you've had that experience or it's a class um like for example if you were to come to devon dogs you know that we are here right mm. like it's different yeah. but for me on the whole i'd like to see how a class is going to be mm. run and especially with a dog like her because yeah. i think that that's major right so yeah. you take responsibility right now for magma yeah. i certainly take responsibility when i'm at an agility show and um, i obviously compete and i compete fairly well and for me, I take all responsibility at a show, to be honest, around um, other dogs doing agility because it's a very volatile, yeah. uh, bucket-filling, stressful experience on the whole yeah, for, for both dog and owner. Absolutely. And so um, what we'd say, you know, you know, 
considering we've trained thousands of dogs in agility from all kinds of different training backgrounds, they might have even started in, you know, a, a, an aversive background and they want to kind of come over to, to our way, is that actually the, the responsibility in that situation is on you as the owner and also the trainer running that class. And so if your dog has, if you've gone to that class and your dog has been set up to jump over tunnels, bark bark like crazy run around like a crazy thing actually that's not a well-managed class and you know when we're when we're starting dogs in agility actually it's games based I mean, and it's very kind of specific think about when we've been filming agility rocks yeah. or um our agility fundamentals badges which yeah. are available on our website those would be the sort of thing that we would be encouraging which is um, for sure, foundation based definitely has some equipment Building involvement, layers. but only really once we've got all of the other things early on. Yeah. Um, and actually, number one is proximity, off leash freedom, um, making sure we've got great value with us, making sure we've got a huge array of reinforcers, making sure we've set up boundary games, toy work, retrieve work. Like, there's so many layers. And I think the point I want to raise um, is is what you say, Sarah, which I think is really really relevant. And I think it's what so many owners do. They want to provide enrichment. Mm. But my worry for a dog um, like Alana and and the relationship that you guys have is what you might feel is going to build enrichment actually might create um, way more reactivity mm. or uh, opportunity to display behaviors yeah. you don't want yeah. than actually enrich. Exactly. And so what we've got to think is that Alana's brain... <clears throat> always gravitates towards arousal, always gravitates towards excitement. Not dissimilar to Little Classic, exactly. right? Like Classic, yeah. uh, she's a mini American Shepherd yeah. and she definitely, definitely, definitely gravitates that yeah. way. Doesn't need an excuse to gravitate that way, right? You know, doesn't need an excuse to head down that road. And so um, when we take them to a place, you know, if we take them to the disco and then they start partying, we can't be surprised that that's happening. Um, and equally, if we get the layers in place before, and like Classic competes very successfully in agility now. Absolutely. Um, um, championship level um, agility dog. Uh, at her first championship ticket, I think she came second or third. Um, and so very, very top. And yet she spent three years of not competing. Yeah. Like and no so, competition. Exactly. And so enrichment doesn't have to be exciting. And in fact, I'll go one step further with Alana and say that actually the way that you can grow her brain for the better is her enrichment should be calming. Now, what does that look like? Well, first of all, we take her to different environments and promote calmness. Now, that might be from um, giving her a passive calming activity like a chew or a, um, a, a lickable canine calm mat. It might be rewarding spontaneous moments of calm. It, it might be chilling. It could also be a level of conversation starter yeah. for confidence. And when we say conversation starter, what we mean is something your dog is really, really happy with and then we know that they can do in any mm. environment. Yeah. Um, and that might be a dog that maybe needs a more active strategy um, in a new environment. Whereas if I had a dog who was able to be a little bit um, more passive then, or if I thought I could get them into that space, then obviously something they can lick or chew or um, do would also be fantastic. I'll give you another really quick example here. And some people might be absolutely horrified by this example, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, because I feel real is the best way. Now, I was at a show recently with a dog that I knew would not enjoy that experience. However, the case was that we needed to take her because that was the best scenario for our day and for her day. So to make sure that we could meet her needs as best we could. Now, what I did in that moment was um, we took her off site mm -hmm. to go and take her out to do um, anything she needed to do, have a drink, have a, have a wee, um, go and do a couple of tricks. And then she came back on site, but she just stayed in. Um, we it, it, we hear um, agility will cover our vehicles if it's warm, but I have to say it wasn't warm at all. It was cold and horrid. It was doing typical England weather um, and it was it was raining. 
Um, and um, she would be in the car majority of the time when we were working our agility dogs. And then we'd take her off site to take her out for a bit. And that's purely because we knew that bringing her out into that experience would send her into excitement and chaos and wildness. Yeah. And actually taking her off site, doing little bits with her and coming back, literally a two minute journey for us made the world of difference for her. And yet most people would still be in that struggle mindset, that problem mindset of she has to go out here. Yeah. Does that make sense? Now, the second thing that you're going to you're going to want to think about with Alan, the second skill and kind of enrichment that would actually really grow her and make her really suited to the life she's in and make her have a great quality and quantity of life is actually a level of engagement with you and disengagement from the environment. And the cool thing is, is all those games in the Sexier Than a Squirrel challenge, actually, they're all brilliant. You've probably worked through that challenge day by day. But now what we want what we want you to do is see those games as your tools that then you could go to different places, use your tools, play the games so that the default for Alana is that actually when I go to a new place, the default is that I engage with my mum and disengage from the environment. Then we can add agility layers and all kinds of other cool things. But the reality right now is what she wants and what she needs are two different things. Get those foundation ingredients right. It's the same as making a cake. Not that I'd know because I'm not a great baker. But, you know, it's the same thing or or building a house or whatever it might be. Get the foundations right and the rest will follow. And it's so true if you ever want a dog to do any competitive sport or whether it's competitive or or enriching. And I would also question whether something like scent or um, those types of enriching activities Mm. may be even more suitable. Um, Another thing I would really consider is um, how how much time in that class is spent in the right headspace. And I think it's something to consider. I can just imagine the class where, because I've been in agility and around agility for the whole of my life, really. um, And for me, something I'm always aware of, Tom, is that in an agility class, actually, I wonder sometimes that some owners who, who aren't necessarily completely fully aware of where their dog's head is, sometimes there's more loss than good. Yeah. Is it growing them in a good direction? Is it growing them in a bad direction? I mean, the answer to that question is easy and we, with with this um, with, with this particular struggle with Alana. The more they um, do it, the more they become it, right? Actually, exactly. And uh, the the key is is that for everybody listening, you might be able to take a piece of, of a piece of this away for your own dog. In that we we often kind of we 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 get into habits as dog owners of doing the same things, doing certain things, and. It's really good to sometimes take a step back and say, is this growing my dog in a direction I want them to grow? Or is it growing them in a direction I don't want them to grow? Um, as we become more intentional about what we do with our dogs and we make it that everything's growing them in a de- great direction, you see the progress kind of snowball and you see you, you, you know more real life results unlock, which is really cool. Um, I think one other thing I really want to pull up here, and I think it's important, is... Um the uh, firmer rules and putting your foot down on behavior. And I think it's almost like a an interesting choice of language for actually where we act, really, what we most of all want to do is create a better relationship. Mm, yeah. And I was chatting to someone about this the other day and they were saying, oh yeah, but it, it doesn't matter because it's a separate thing. And I was like, no, it's still relationship. Mm. So whether it's about this or this, it's still... It sits under the heading of relationship. So you can't kind of have it both ways. Yeah. Right. And and for me, my biggest concern is you wreck relationship when you use things like prong collars, mm. you use things like um electric collars, you use things like spray bottles, chains, keys. And I'll be honest, both Tom and I have had experience of these and and we also completely appreciate, Sarah, how you feel yeah. when someone might pressure you to use them. And our biggest goal, and this is why we'd love you to share this podcast, all of you listening, 
is that actually no dog or relationship is ever lost. Mm. And through um, avoiding using things like this, we know that we save many, many dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think sometimes we can see, you know, what did we say? There were three other dogs in the class where yeah. they'd had aversive yeah. Prong, methods applied. Electric and, and um, spray, uh, spray collar. And um, the, the key there, Sarah, is that sometimes you have to take a step back and actually think, what does that really mean? It means that three dogs kind of, um, they, they, they gave into that system of training and therefore they are now obeying because of these aversives being applied. How do we know how many dogs that system has failed that haven't made it to that class because they have already been exited from that class or the owners have actually said, you know what, they can't go to that class. And so what we've got to realize is that we, we what, you know, if we think about the number of people that, that are reached by absolute dogs, every, it's something like 70 million people every six months um, actually get impacted by a video or play a game or whatever it might be. Um, and so we've got to think about sample size and we've got to actually think about how dogs that have real life struggles are getting real life results every day. And yeah, you know, we work, behavior is all about working on an average. And as part of an average, you have good days, you have some bad days. And we need to not overinterpret the bad days. And also we need to not overinterpret the good days because no failure is ever final and equal no success I know, is ever final. I know in, in, in an agility sense, uh, I've been running like the last in a, in a final and you've had a really brilliant day, just like Tom said. Uh, you're living the brilliant moment and your success in your head is like, yeah, I've got this. I'm going to absolutely go and smash this. This is amazing. I'm top of the world. And suddenly you have an elimination and you're back to the beginning and it's not final either way. Yeah. It wasn't final that we were going to win and it wasn't final that we lost. Yeah. You know what? We're going to roll with it. And I think it's also one of the joys of working with animals. Absolutely. I mean, I'm working with a behavior client at the moment and we had to have this conversation of, um, one day she sent me a video of her dog doing beautiful loose lead walking, off lead, coming back when called. This is a dog that previously couldn't have left the house without screaming and going kind of lights on, no one's home, unresponsive. Um, and she was so happy and celebrated it and celebrated it. It was super, super happy. The next day she did the same again and the picture didn't look quite the same, let's say. Now, at that point, I then got another email that was, oh my goodness, this isn't working. Now, hold on a second. Yesterday. That win has now become an expectation. And if your dog doesn't meet that expectation, then all of a sudden it's a loss. A week ago, we didn't even know that win was possible. So sometimes what we have to do is when we're having these moments is kind of rewind a month, rewind three months. Think, where were you then? Think, where are you over the average of the past week? You're in a better place and you've got to celebrate it. And yet sometimes when a bad day happens, especially when you think you've got a new, a new normal, a new expectation, um, then, um, then it, can feel, it can feel quite painful. And yet the, we need to make sure that our wins do not become expectations from one day to the next. So I think the thing we'd love to leave you on, Sarah, is just literally a quick tips tennis as to what we would do or maybe how we would play it different. So my number one is actually I wouldn't attend class. And I know that's a really tough thing to say. I'm not anti-classes. We run classes. We have classes here in Devon. It's just that I don't think your dog and that class are compatible. Yeah. And my feeling is, um, as strict as that might sound, I think that you're going to get way better results in a different scenario. Absolutely. That might be training at home, training your sex in the squirrel games, in the garden. It might be um, observing a couple of other classes and seeing how they work. It mm -hmm. might be um, working alongside a pro dog trainer. You know what? For me, there are many other ways to do yeah. it. And there are so many cool online options, whether it's watching Agility Rocks, mm -hmm. whether it's watching our Agility Fundamentals. Like, There's so many places. Training Academy. There's, there's so many opportunities. I feel that 
uh, that is not your best match. Yeah. Um, and I think it's all about being a strong magnet and that is not the energy you want to attract. Second tip is what Alana wants and what Alana needs right now are probably two different things and probably a little bit the same for you as well in that enrichment does not have to be exciting. And so how about we use our time, we use our energy, we use that daily food allowance to grow the concepts of calmness and engagement with you and the rest will follow. So my next one, and this is a big one, it's mindset. And I really don't want you to take this as any loss. This is just learning. This is information. It's a rock star mindset. It's a mindset of awesomeness. This is like, we can do this. We will do this. Um, read our, our Game Changer Manifesto because this for me is a moment of empowerment, not a moment of, um, I feel um, like, like even just reading through some of the language you use to describe um, the, the scenario where your dog's a freak. Your dog is absolutely normal. Mm. Your dog is like many other dogs. Yeah. You are not unique in this. This is cool. We can do this. Tom and I have seen thousands of dogs like this before, and I'm sure we'll see many more yeah. thousand. Yeah, absolutely. Final tip is that if something does not resonate with you, if something does not feel right, don't do it. Okay, just because somebody is more certain than you in that moment of your dog jumping over uh, over tunnels and screaming their head off, just because they have absolute certainty does not mean that they are right. And if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Because chances are, if it does not feel right, then actually it's not something that you should be doing. You are in the right place. You're exactly who you need to be. You're and you just found your home. Yeah. Like you're here with us. So we are going to take care of this, right? So with that, guys, that was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We want to hear your update on how you're getting on, Sarah, in the future. And we'll share it with all the listeners. We will see you next week. Remember, stay sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program, huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today, where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.